0: to episode 101 of the Blooms and Barnacles podcast, where we talk about all things related to James Joyce's Ulysses. I'm Kelly. And I'm Dermot. How you doing, Dermot? Pretty good. Great. Now, if you are one of our Patreon subscribers, you might be seeing this as video. If you can only hear us, but not see us, you're getting the free version. Um, But we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment here. Um... We are a blog as well as a podcast, and even though today we'll be talking about the Hades episode, there's <laughs> you might see a small black cat go flying across the screen. She is freaked out by the presence of the camera.
1: Doesn't like it.
0: Because we're looking at that and not her. Um, but we are a blog as well as a podcast, and on our blog, we have just started the Lestragonians episode, which is the eighth episode of Ulysses. And the first blog post of each episode, we kick off by talking about Homeric parallels. Don't don't look at it. <laughs> um, be, especially because I'm about to throw to you. Okay. Um, So our first episode, or our first blog post about Lestragonians is called Ulysses and the Odyssey, Lestragonians. And Dermot, do you remember what that blog post is about?
1: Uh let's see. The Lestragonians are the uh the cannibals mm-hmm. of uh the Odyssey. hmm Kinda of like a cool monstery thing, but they mm-hmm. don't get much attention. I think they're kind of a throwaway a little bit in the in the yeah, original. It's Ulysses. a it's a
0: brief it's a brief encounter. Yeah. Um yeah. It, it's yeah. not like a Cyclops or say level. Mm. Uh, but um
1: and they're the awful, like, munchers in uh, Duke Street, right, in... Uh, so, yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, the awful munchers in Duke Street. So Dermot did some artwork about that. And uh, could you describe your artwork for us?
1: Yeah, it's a non-racist uh, character yeah. of a Lestragonian because the kind of illustrators mm-hmm. who did these back in the uh, Victorian or uh, early 20th century, mm-hmm. uh, when they were doing the classical Homeric illustrations generally used racist tropes so screw them
0: well i would say i was looking for i try to find period illustrations for our blog and the lestragonians is is not really an episode that's very often inspired artists i guess Mm. and there's one that is used very commonly on wikipedia and other sites and the lestragonians are described as very monstrous creatures in the odyssey and in this very commonly used illustration they look like they are just dark-skinned humans mm-hmm. so we didn't want to use that so dermot's kind of taken a different tactic yeah
1: more of a shrek kind of mm-hmm.
0: thing. yeah much more ogre ogre like yeah. all right you have anything else you want to say about your artwork
1: i used to have a friend who was a lot like shrek, he looked a bit <laughs> like shrek. <laughs> okay. nice guy though
0: all right well dermot's artwork is available at bloomsandbarnacles.com mm-hmm. and As well as our social media platforms, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So if you'd like to see it, you should go there and look at it because it's great. Dermot has also done some artwork for this podcast episode in which we talk about uh, Leopold Bloom's journey to Glasnevin Cemetery. Would you like to talk about that?
1: Yeah. um, It'll involve a coffin mishap. Mm -hmm. We'll leave it at that.
0: Okay. Yeah. So um, again, you can see that at com or any of our social media. All right we've got a few shout outs before we dive into the episode first of all i mentioned our patreon so we are now in the new year of 2023 changing to a patreon model um we work really really hard to pr- make the art and do all the writing and researching for this so we'd like basically we'd like to get paid for it as well as thank our patron uh patrons who subscribe so um hopefully this is coming to you if you're on Patreon a couple days early. So normally we drop our episodes on Wednesdays. And my goal for the new year is to give, a, give our, our Patreon subscribers the episodes a couple days early as well as a video version. So if you'd like to see the video or just get this a little bit early, um, hop over to our Patreon and you can subscribe for as little as five uh, units of currency a month. I set it up in euro, but if you use pounds or dollars or um, Mongolian Tugrik, you can also subscribe in those currencies thanks to and the internet. You'll get the advantage
1: mm-hmm. that whenever we're talking about visual elements where possible, we can overlay mm-hmm. them on the video. We can't mm-hmm. do that on the podcast. I'm sure you the guys in the podcast are mm-hmm. fine. You've been listening to us for years. But it's a nice extra bonus mm-hmm. that you get to see. If we're talking about my cartoons, uh, you can see them. Yes. If you're, and if we're talking about like street scenes, mm-hmm. people, we'll actually be able to put the slides of these people on screen. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a nicer way if you want to yep. sit down and watch it with dinner or something.
0: And on top of that, you're going to get a bonus episode every single month. And in honor of January 6th, which what, what does January 6th commemorate, Dermot? Uh,
1: in Ireland, that would be when we would take the Christmas tree down. And I don't was very sad as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I care now, but it was always like, oh, the tree's mm. going away. Because that is is also
0: the, it's the feast of the Epiphany. Mm-hmm. And in Joyce lore, why is is that especially interesting?
1: Is it obscene?
0: No, that, it's not. Okay. It's the day that the the dead takes place. Ah, yes. So one thing we want to do with these bonus episodes is cover non-Ulysses material that's also kind of Ulysses adjacent and one thing I wanted to do is read some of the Dubliner stories and so we're going to start with The Dead Um, we're going to also watch the John Huston film The Dead and we're going to compare the two so Mm -hmm. I think that will be really fun yeah
1: the last time I saw that it was on just old-fashioned tv Mm -hmm. and i lived in pasadena back in the early 2000s -hmm.
0: and i've never seen it i've read the dead a bunch of times dermot has also read the dead um but uh i've never seen the movie and so we are going to read the story this week and watch the movie and talk about it and if you'd like to hear our thoughts on that hop over to patreon and again for as little as five dollars a month you can uh you can get in on the conversation yes All right. Um, We also want to thank our... You can also donate to us on PayPal. And we want to, as always, thank our um, recurring donors on PayPal, of whom we have a few. And uh, I encourage you guys to move over to Patreon so you can get a bunch of free stuff along with your donation. If
1: you have a recurring $5 donation on PayPal, just switch it Mm -hmm. to the Patreon and you get the stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And if you... And I want to say Blooms and Barnacles will always remain free. There will always be a free version that is as robust and fantastic as it's always been. Um, And if you'd like to support us in a non-monetary fashion, um, hop over to Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice and give us a review because that does help people find us. And finally, if you want to keep up with this and everything... We have a free newsletter that you can sign up for at our website, and you get that free in your e- your email once a month. It'll give you a preview of all that month's content. So, finally, uh, before we get into Hades, we've got an email from a listener called Nicholas. Nicholas sent me a very long email. He's a student of philosophy and physics. He asked me... Quite a bit about Spinoza, which I know nothing about Spinoza. That's a, a, definitely on the docket for Ulysses, but we haven't gotten to it yet. And he asked us another question about a passage in Ithaca. And I think uh, Dermot was very eager to talk about uh-huh. this. So Dermot's going to read the email and then we'll talk about it.
1: As a student of physics, I also have a really strong interest in physics and Ulysses. Hello, cat. Mm-hmm. Specifically when it's wrong and Bloom's interest in it. For example, the mention of the omnipresent diatherminous luminiferous ether in Ithaca. The story obviously takes place in 1904, but when it was written, I assumed the ether theory was mostly discarded. Einstein released his book on special relativity in 1905, and the Michelson and Morley experiment happened in the late 1880s. It seems odd that the narrator, who seems to be an all knowing force, would get it wrong. I was wondering if he knew anything about Joyce's actual interest in modern physics. I don't know if this was ignorance of the author or intentional, because Bloom gets physics wrong multiple times.
0: Okay. And just so we're clear on the passage in question, it's from Ithaca, which we haven't, you know, I've researched all this stuff and everything. I haven't really done that yet with Ithaca, because it's way at the end of the book. But Dermot, I want to read this passage to you, Mm -hmm. and it's a, a, a description of something very common, and I want you to stop me when you figure out what, process that you've experienced today okay um what it is um so when when you figure out what he's describing uh stop me okay all right uh what concomitant phenomenon took place in the vessel of liquid by the agency of fire the phenomenon of ebullition Fanned by a constant updraft of ventilation between the kitchen and the chimney flue, ignition was communicated from the faggots of precombustible fuel to polyhedral masses of bituminous coal, containing in compressed mineral form the foliated, fossilized decidua of primeval forests, which had in turn derived from their vegetative existence from the sun, primal source of heat, radiant, transmitted through omnipresent luminiferous diathletes, diatherminous ether heat convected a mode of motion developed by such combustion was constantly and increasingly conveyed from the source of calorification to the liquid contained in the vessel being radiated through the uneven he's boiling water yes (laughs) he's boiling a kettle
1: I thought could be toast could be toast Mm -hmm. on a poker but it's water yeah
0: yeah, so um, so what do you what do you think about this? Do you think that Joyce thought that heat really traveled through the ether, or Bloom thought this?
1: Uh, I think it's poetic, but also mm-hmm. we know that Joyce himself was involved with theosophy and would have been familiar with the language of ether, mm-hmm. ethereal. Uh, it, it's certainly less mundane and materialistic, mm-hmm. has a nicer sound to it than like you know mm-hmm. like a thermo- this first law of thermodynamics doesn't have a poetic ring to it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so suck at Isaac Newton Suck a Kelvin <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, I guess it could if you had an engineering mm-hmm. bent But uh, poetically to a writer I think ethereal and ether sounds but Is better. he being
0: poetic or scientific here? Mm. Well, again It's, it's to, meant to sound like a catechism Getting actually. back to
1: the question like Okay, the, the book is published Einstein's published in 1905 mm-hmm. But the theory And this is like a weird little footnote of history Einstein's, I forget it was special or general relativity, I always get them mixed up, was only proved by astronomical observations made by Arthur Eddington. And I think it was 1918, but it was certainly after the end of World War One. He traveled; Eddington traveled to South Africa to observe an eclipse of the sun to find the position of the planet Mercury, which according to Einstein would be seen in a different place because it was so close to the sun that space-time was warped. Eddington's observations were fit Einstein's theory mm-hmm. perfectly, but I read a while back that the original uh, schedule was for 1914. So, like a lot of things, like the Irish Home Rule Bill, uh, it gets wiped out of history by World War One. And during the four-year lapse, Einstein had a lot of time to check his equations and found a mistake. So, had the original observation happened when it was supposed to happen in 1914. Mm-hmm. Einstein's theory would not have been proven, and he would have looked really bad. Mm. And then he would have looked like he was like, oh, oh yeah, no, I I found a mistake. And mm-hmm. it, whereas the way the way it played out in history, it was one of the greatest like moments in scientific history. It made him a star overnight. That was but that was post World War One. And again, I'm thinking 1918 or later. I'm sure people are there are screaming, it might be not twenty two, but I think it was nineteen eighteen, but it's certainly after the end of World War One. So um that was when, like, we look, the Einstein that we know, like, as a popular figure, this mm-hmm. Merlin kind of figure, that's when he really appears. Now, as as to the uh, Michelson Morley, I think a lot of people, like, it's not that long before the book is set, 1904. I think a lot of people would still be carrying 1880s, your, Yeah, said. 1880s. So, you know, you're looking at, like, 15 years.
0: Do you think the people in 1904 would have thought that he traveled through the ether? Probably,
1: yeah, for quite a while. Like, look at it this way, like quantum mechanics has been around for like almost 100 years or Mm -hmm. about 100 years. And most people really don't get it or they use it in a sort of a new agey kind of sense of, Mm -hmm. oh, it's quantum this and it's quantum that. But if you actually like read about it, like one of the quantum physicists said, if you're not freaked out or disturbed by quantum physics, you don't understand it. Like, it's very bizarre. And a lot of people still carry around the classical Newtonian, like discrete atoms in their head mm-hmm. is that's the way the universe is. And then when you watch like a really well made documentary, like what was the PBS one years ago, um, the, the Mecha- elegant, universe. elegant Universe, it was probably on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Really, really weird down there. And a lot of quantum physicists just like pr- want to quarantine the weirdness to the quantum level, so time running backwards or mm-hmm. particles being in two places at the one time or tunneling through one another. It really sounds. I've said this before. It Mm -hmm. really sounds like medieval scholastics talking about angels. Can an angel be in two places at once? Can an angel move through another angel? If Can you an angel fire move two
0: angels through the Hadron Collider from opposite directions and they collide, yeah. do they form a black hole?
1: If they had had particle accelerators in the <laughs> 11th century, they would have asked that question. It's
0: one of their many failings.
1: It's so, For me, it's really funny to like to see people like poo-pooing the poor old scholastics because mm-hmm. they were a lot smarter than we give or them I credit for. I love the scholastics. I do, I do. Yeah. But anyway... Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so what, what do you
0: think Bloom knew?
1: Bloom certainly not. No, I don't mm-hmm. think he could have. Because the man we know from, from what we've read before, mm-hmm. like he had a very not to insult him, high mm-hmm. emotional intelligence, very decent human being. Mm-hmm. Re, you know, moderately educated, not a fool, but like he, his 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 cultural level is Titbits magazine, right? Like it's
0: he likes sciency things, science-y, but especially but, as we get into Lestragonians, you'll you'll see where he really likes sciency sounding things. But yeah. it's. Very clear that he doesn't really understand the science right. behind it. He has kind of a, a fanciful, like, child school book view of science. Like a lot of people today. Yeah. Like, but he, he's yeah. an appreciator of science. Yeah, he would like I to would have the... I consider to, uh, myself yeah. an appreciator of science, yeah. so... Yeah.
1: But there are people out there with a mm. fairly naive, even today, like, very naive view of science and technology. And yes. What it is and isn't. Um, and a dangerously naive view, I would Many say. Many of
0: them are very confident on Twitter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Um, do you want to know my interpretation? Sure. I think Joyce thought it was funny, okay to just des- <laughs> to describe this really, really common thing in the most high fluin language possible, and then to drop in a- yeah the- it travels through the ether, which is yeah. a magical kind of magical thinking. Mm-hmm i I think that Joyce thought that would be funny, like that to me feels like his sense of humor mm-hmm. um I think it's it's important to remember always that Ulysses is a very funny book,, yeah. and we forget about it, especially when we get really deep into this sort of highly compacted erudition mm-hmm. um that it's he he that there's something incredibly silly about describing boiling a kettle that way yeah um and I, I, I think too in in Nicholas's email, he referred to the narrator as all-knowing. Mm-hmm. I would be very cautious about the all-knowingness because like all, you know, higher level beings, yes, the narrator knows everything that Joyce needs it to, but it also likes to fuck with you. Mm. So, um, he, you know, that, that I think is a, a pitfall that we can fall into. We think, well, Joyce knew everything, so everything he says must be right. But it's accurate as long as that serves Joyce and when it doesn't serve him he'll just say whatever he wants there's Mm. many many examples of that so um, don't don't trust the higher powers too much (laughs) alright so with that Why don't we move into our passage for today? Uh, We are covering Hades, the sixth episode of Ulysses, pages 97 through 99, in my edition of Ulysses. Oh, I should hold it up. I don't It's in the other room, though. The 1990 Vintage International Edition. And I've marked out today a correspondence to consider. Do you know the correspondent organ of Ulysses? Of this part of the book, you mean? Uh, Yes, of Hades, I, I said.
1: Yeah, I don't.
0: The heart. The heart. Hades is where the heart is. Okay. Um so think about the heart. What does the heart do in the body? It pumps blood. It pumps blood. What do we call that process? Circulation. Circulation. Yeah. So we're gonna think about this theme, uh, motif or correspondence of circulation in the heart as mm. we read this. All right. So, uh I'd like you to read our first passage up today, Dermot. To pump the microphone.
1: Sorry that's no, all right. No, me. Uh, we're going the pace, I think, Martin Cunningham said. God grant he doesn't upset us on the road, Mr. Power said. I hope not, Martin Cunningham said. That'll be a great race tomorrow in Germany. The Gordon Bennett. Yes, by Jove, Mr. Dedalus said. That'll be worth seeing, Faith. As they turned into Berkeley Street, a street organ near the basin sent over and after them a rollicking, rattling song of the halls. Has anyone here seen Kelly. L Y, Dead March from Saul He's as bad as old Antonio He left me on my ownio Pirouette The matter, misericordiae Eccles Street My house down there Big place Ward for incurables there Very encouraging Our Lady's Hospice for the Dying Dead house handy underneath Where old Mrs. Reardon died They look terrible, the women Her feeding cup and rubbing her mouth with a spoon then the screen round her bed for her to die. Nice young student that was. Dressed that bite the bee gave me. He's gone over to the lying in hospital, they told me. From one extreme to the other.
0: All right, Dermot, what do you think?
1: Jesus, he should have been writing horror novels. Um, mm-hmm.
0: I would, I, yes, that is one dream that will never come to, come to pass is yeah. the Joycean horror novel. Joyce
1: meets Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Joyce meets Alistair Crowley mm-hmm. in a parallel timeline. Mm-hmm. No, he had a great eye for, um body horror and what we call body horror now and mm-hmm. just the awfulness of the dying process mm-hmm. and illness. Um yeah, so I guess it's thoughts rumbling through his head as they're heading to the graveyard, right? Mm-hmm. All the dead houses and Mm-hmm. yeah
0: the dead house would be a morgue
1: mm. beneath and the I, matter I, hospital and i know because you play me the song uh where has anyone here seen kelly okay. <laughs> well yeah we all see her now if you're on patreon join <laughs> for, for, patreon. for as little as five dollars a month <laughs> you, you can, can see s- kelly you can
0: see kelly and yeah. me
1: um but it's a period song and you played it and it's very much of its time mm-hmm. uh, I actually prefer to some of the modern stuff <laughs> God help me um, Dead March from Saul I th- is that from the song or is it like a different reference that is reference? also
0: music that is uh, Handel
1: oh yeah um, one of Handel's um, operas yes yeah of course I should have known that um, traditionally
0: played at British funeral marches oh okay British uh, sorry traditionally played at British military funerals s- mm. so saith Gifford and Seidman okay um, when you hear it, it sounds like like music that would be played at a mm, British military okay. funeral.
1: Oh, Okay, and the rest seems clear enough. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like a nice passage where you can kind of figure mm-hmm. it out without like a PhD in like Chaucerian English or anything. <laughs> um <laughs> well, we, we
0: will have to read actual Chaucerian English in yeah, a few chapters. I like so. I
1: like the sound of it, but it's obviously hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Our Lady's Hospital for the Dying is that still? I guess that's all gone now all yeah. these places he's describing.
0: Yeah, he's he's imagining the parts of the hospital as they pass the Matter Hospital, um that would be for people who are receiving end-of-life care as they call it nowadays. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, I'm I'm not going to focus on that for too long. Um I guess let's just start from the top. Uh Martin Cunningham remarks, "We are going the pace." So what what does that phrase mean?
1: I think they're going pretty fast. Yeah, they're going way too fast. They're not going slowly. Mm-hmm. They're they're yeah. clocking along. Yeah.
0: Yes, um and so this is seen by some commentators like Hugh Kenner that it's just the very long route from Sandy Mount to Glasnevin mm-hmm. means they have to go a little bit faster. Uh, Frank McNally writing in the Irish Times said that actually it was pretty common for funeral processions during that day to go very fast across the city, quote, under pressure from the cemetery's restrictive opening hours and in this time period, alderman Thomas Kelly, who would later go on to be a, a Sinn Féin uh, MP, TD, sorry, uh, that he claimed that, quote, the galloping, which more especially on Sundays, disgraces Dublin funerals. Ooh. So um, I think this was a common feature, not just of this funeral procession, but most funeral processions. Um that were traveling across the city would go at sort of breakneck pace
1: Mm, my dad would have called that the bums rush (laughs) okay my grandfather was buried uh, indecently quickly and he said they gave my dad the bums rush resented it yeah Yeah. all right uh on a very different topic what is the gordon bennett gordon bennett i only know as an english uh, exclamation like gordon bennett oh really
0: Gordon Bennett, Rodney, we haven't got time
1: to sit about here discussing signs of the bleeding Zodiac. <laughs> yeah, like, would you look mm-hmm. at that, or wow, or holy hell, it's that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So uh, it's an actual race?
0: Yeah, it? it's a, a a motor race. Oh, okay. And it took place that year on the 17th of June, 1904. Oh, okay. Gifford and Seidman in their annotation, though, said that top automobile speeds in 1904 were around 85 to 90 miles per hour. Right. Um, but even road racers in those days generally didn't reach those speeds. Mm, So, um, it would be slower than most, um, motorways and expressways and that we'd be driving on.
1: Yeah. But fast enough though.
0: Fast. Yeah. Yeah. But it's when you look at like formula one or something like that, they're going quite a bit faster. Uh, all right. The song, Has Anybody Here Seen Kelly, uh, is an anach- anachronism because it was written in 1908. Oh, okay. Um, so as they're they're going past the the basin there, um, they hear, this is like a street or- organ. Someone's playing the song. Mm-hmm. It's an old musical music hall song called Has Anybody Here Seen Kelly? The little bit about Antonio left me on my ownio is also from that song. Oh, okay. Um, Kelly, I I believe his name is Michael Kelly in the song, is out on a date, uh, as the song describes. But uh, then he ditches the woman for someone else. And so hence, she's going around asking, has anybody here seen Kelly? Antonio ditched her too. So um, now as a little bit of a preview, this gets repeated later on. um, Joy scholar Zach Bowen sees this as a refrain for Bloom trying to figure out the identity of the mysterious Macintosh. Hmm. So hold that in your mind. We will talk about that several months from now. But that's the greatest mystery of Hades is who is Macintosh. Um, So there's a man that shows up and then mysteriously disappears.
1: Maybe his name is Macintosh. Does anyone consider that?
0: It doesn't fit in the song.
1: Uh,
0: You can't rhyme Macintosh like you can Kelly or Antonio. Same reason it's not about Dermot. Your name's not rhymeable. Hmm. What does Dermot rhyme with?
1: Dermot. Dermot. I've heard it all (laughs) as a kid.
0: Uh, Scholar Robert Adams has a more esoteric interpretation for this. So the K-E-double-L-Y part. K-E is the key that Bloom has lost and is seeking.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: The L, he -hmm. says, is the Hebrew name of the Lord. Yeah. And there is a... The double L looks like what number? 11. Yeah, 11. And uh, 11 is a symbol for what? We talked about it right at the end of lotus oh, eaters. it's like
1: mortality or yes,
0: something. Yes, yeah, death. So he claims, and I know nothing about Kabbalah, but Robert Adams says that the there is a Kabbalistic tradition of associating K with 11 as a symbol of the resurrection. Hmm. So it could also mean that.
1: Hmm. Okay. Okay. I have
0: no further comment on that. Brilliant. Um a few notes too about uh the Matter misericordia is a in nineteen oh four was the largest hospital in Dublin. It's still there. And in fact has engulfed Bloom notes my house down there on Eccles Street. It is on Eccles Street to this day. Mm. Uh the Matter Misericordia has engulfed Seven Eccles Street. Um though the house was derelict by the stage anyway, it was torn down to make way for an expansion of the hospital so if you go on an echo street today you'll see a plaque with sort of a, a raised joyce head on it that says this is where seven echo street was and it's in the wrong
1: location oh god again um, that's not the only one so um isn't there an anthony burgess video where he goes to the house
0: yes and that's that's prior to all this okay. that I have not been able to find I've been recommended to go to the BBC archive mm-hmm. which is in England so it's a little bit far but uh, maybe someday yeah. Um, If you, yeah, I, I contacted the Anthony Burgess Society if anybody has access to that that I could watch
1: mm-hmm.
0: I would love to see it um, but yeah we did a, a podcast episode called 7 Eccles Street where we discussed it in there so if you want to see pictures of that it's at our website and listen to that episode as well Uh, And if you want to know more about the history of the matter hospital, just as its own entity, uh, the Irish History Podcast did a really good episode about that. So I would also recommend checking them out. All right. Are we ready to move
1: on? Yep. The carriage galloped around a corner, stopped. What's wrong now? A divided drove of branded cattle passed the windows, lowing, slouching by on padded hoofs, whisking their tails slowly on their bony groups. Outside them and through them ran rattled sheep bleeding their fear. Emigrants, Mr. Power said. Hur! The driver's voice cried, his switch sounding on their flanks. Hur! Out of that. Thursday, of course. Tomorrow was killing day. Springers. Cuff sold them about 27 quid each. For Liverpool, probably. Roast beef for old England. They buy up all the juicy ones. And then the fifth quarter lost all that raw stuff. hide hair horns comes to a big thing in a year dead meat trade byproducts of the slaughterhouses or tanneries soap margarine wonder if that dodge works now getting dicky meat off the train at consilla all right what do you think yeah i sorry for the animals yeah. and a big i guess a big cattle market in the north of dublin uh, in 1904 anyway mm-hmm. uh, which you wouldn't see these days uh, and I know our friend Kenji. When we were walking that area with him, he showed mm-hmm. us like the little plinth that had the cattle yes. sign on it. So yeah. that that's some little memento of the mm-hmm. the trade that used to happen there.
0: I believe across the street from the City Arms, the former City Arms Hotel, which mm-hmm. in on Bloomsday and Ulysses, Mister Deasy is going there in the afternoon for the Cattle Traders Association meeting, where he will address the crowd about foot and mouth disease.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Which happened in 1912. There was a foot and mouth disease outbreak, not 1904, because. Mm-hmm. Joyce is only accurate when it suits him.
1: Mm-hmm. And what's the, the dodgy dicky meat off the train of Clonsilla? Do we know what that was? Or?
0: <sighs> I there's a, a note about it in the the Gifford annotation, but I did not include okay. it in my notes. Uh, the The long and short of that paragraph is the best cattle. These are, are all Irish cattle, and the best cattle are sold off to England, mm-hmm. and the Irish get the the lesser ones. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do have a couple other notes here. Um, yeah, a lot of the, the workings. So the the cattle market is expounded upon more in the next little bit. So I'm going to hold some of that. I don't want you to think I'm just skipping over it okay. and then going back to the Odyssey. But that is what I am doing. So um, when Odysseus visits the underworld in the Odyssey, he sees Orion, uh, which sounds Irish, but isn't. Yeah. Uh, the, like the consolation guy. Uh, that looks like this to me, but I think he's yes. supposed to be like drawing a bow right um Orion the hunter in the underworld uh drives a herd of all the the wild beasts that he had he had killed in life hmm. which is is interesting to me um so this is meant to be Odysseus encountering Orion and his ghostly herds okay um and I want to talk he mentions here cuff sold them about twenty seven quid each, so Joe cuff uh runs the cattle market. He was a real person. Um and Bloom has a history with Joe Cuff.
1: Mm.
0: He um worked as a clerk for Cuff in the cattle market. Um but lost the job for sassing a cattle trader. So the anonymous narrator in Cyclops said the following.
1: Joe Cuff gave him the order of the boot for giving lip to a grazier. <laughs> <race. laughs>
0: so you can, you can guess what might've happened. Uh-huh. Um, and then the story goes that Molly was sent in afterwards to smooth things over and get his job back. Right. And, uh, but to no avail. Uh-huh. So that is told in little dribs and drabs throughout the book. Hmm. So um, Bloom does have a, a personal connection to this and he is very, he he's very empathetic toward the, the poor animals not much as Dermot yeah. is here. Um and he will think about this quite a bit more in uh Lestragonians as well. Mm-hmm. Um about the messy business. He calls of-
1: it killing day tomorrow. That's a mm-hmm. harsh way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's somebody who's not like y- using a euphemism. Yeah. You know, we're gonna kill them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh right. So um there is the open question of why is they're a herd of cattle moving on foot through a major metropolitan mm. area. Yeah. Um, we're going to read the next little bit here, and then we're going to talk about um, the real Joe Cuff and Bloom's grand plan for a cattle tram.
1: The carriage moved on through the drove. I can't make out why the corporation doesn't run a tram line from the parquet to the quays, Mr. Bloom said. All those animals could be taken in trucks down to the boats. Instead of blocking up the thoroughfare, Martin Cunningham said, Quite right, they ought to. Yes, Mr. Bloom said. And another thing I often thought is to have municipal funeral trams, like they have in Milan, you know. Run the line out to the cemetery gates and have special trams, hearse and carriage and all. Don't you see what I mean? Oh, that'd be done for a story, Mr. Dedalus said, Pullman Car and Saloon Dining Room. A poor lookout for Corny, Mr. Power added. Why, Mr. Bloom asked, turning to Mr. Dedalus. Wouldn't it be more decent than galloping two abreast? Well, there's something in that, Mr. Dedalus granted.
0: Okay, thoughts? So
1: he's won them over to his case for a train for the dead and the mm. animals. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, so I mean, it's
0: pretty straightforward. You know, why not put all the animals on a tram mm-hmm. instead of running them through the city? Yeah. So that's Bloom's grand plan for cattle tram. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the real Joe Cuff... He had farms in Swords and in Rathnew in mm-hmm. County Wicklow. Um, and the idea was that they would fatten the animals up on the farm and then mo- walk them to market in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, as they walked into the city, they would lose all the fat that they had built up. Okay. It, it wasn't a great plan. I mean, in addition to just, you know, scrambling traffic. And, yes. um And this is detailed in, in vivian igo's book the real people of joyce's ulysses and she mentioned later on they used rail of course they did yeah but uh john hunt at the excellent website the joyce projects has a note that the rail uh began being used in the early 1970s mm-hmm. so um if you are listening to this and either if i'm flat out wrong please tell me but if you have memories of herds of cattle walking through Dublin to market i would love to hear your reminiscences on that so please email or contact yeah, us when
1: was the last time it happened
0: if you if you've ever experienced that like we've experienced that on our road where we live but we live in a fairly rural area um mm. you know there we're surrounded by farms but yeah, we
1: had to pull in one day for the cows yes yeah, it's not as common as it used to be here mm-hmm. even in the country though
0: yeah yeah they yeah so Bloom has this great idea then for a tram along the North Circular Road, which is the general area where they're at. He lays it out in enormous detail in Ithaca, so someday we'll we'll get to talk about Bloom's grand plan for a trattle cam. A trattle cam? A <laughs> cattle tram. <laughs> um... But it does make more sense than snarling the circulation of mm-hmm. a major city, right? I'm right. This is like there, there's some artery, or there's some they're blocking c- the artery, cholesterol they're in the arteries, a Dublin yeah. A coronary. yeah. Okay. So yeah. it kind of um, adds to this theme of stagnation and paralysis that's always there. Mm-hmm. Dublin is a, a city paralyzed, a culture paralyzed. Yeah, culturally and intellectually, Stephen would say, and we see here, uh, sort of literally. And now Bloom also wants to put corpses on a train, as they do in Milan. Ooh la la! Mm-hmm. And you know they kind of acquiesce with it, although Mr. Power says that it would be, it would be bad business for Corney Kelleher, who's the, the undertaker's assistant. Right. Um. And I I put this under a heading that says Bloom doesn't get it because I think Bloom doesn't get it because the others do like this fine old custom of of taking the the processions through the city. Mm-hmm. If you took the corpse or the in, in the incubed in its coffin and just shipped it off where no one could see it. Yeah. It's kind of besides the point. Right. They right. don't get that final send off. They don't get everyone tipping their hat to them. And, the
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, the, the public display yep. of mourning like that. That's cult- I think culturally important. And Bloom kind of doesn't oh, get that. It still
1: is here. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah. know, the, the funeral cortege will go up the main street of my hometown. Mm-hmm. In in the On east. foot. And here yeah. too, there's a lot of small town here. We mm-hmm. already had a cortege go up the mm-hmm. street. Yeah.
0: That that was a car. That those were cars, though. The thing that cars, yeah. um, is interesting to me in your hometown is it's on foot from the church to
1: the mm-hmm. the cemetery. Yeah, we buried my mm-hmm. uncle that way a yeah. few years ago. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so. Trams are fine for cattle, but maybe not for coffins. Mm -hmm. There's a a dignity to the funeral procession. Bloom wants to streamline it, which is a very 20th century idea. Very, um, I think, Anglo and American idea, too, because throughout the 20th century, funerals become much more sanitized and uh, graveyards become more and more park-like and Mm -hmm. the the monuments even being embedded in the ground with manicured lawns rather than... You know, like a a necropolis. Like a a golf course. Yeah, Yeah, more like a golf course. The
1: opening burial scene in Six Feet Under is one of my favorites Mm. where Nate, the son, comes back to the funeral business Mm. to bury his dad and they have little pepper shakers for the soil and he flips out and Mm -hmm. just smashes into the ground Mm -hmm. and he. Grabs yeah. the soil with his hands and it's like, mm-hmm. we shouldn't sanitize this. He can't sanitize yeah. this.
0: And I think it's something particular to Irish culture to have that very out in the open and mourning and death is uh, mm-hmm. something that happens in the public sphere.
1: Yeah, much healthier, I think. So, yeah. no, not throwing shade in their Anglo cousins, mm-hmm. but the English and American funeral i are not fond of them. Uh, my uncle was walking up the street of my hometown many years ago. This is in the 80s and the funeral cartage went up the main street and there was one person walking behind behind mm-hmm. the, the, the car. And he was so outraged that this person only had one mourner that he joined in. Yeah. So that kind of human decency, you know, gets ironed out when you, when you quarantine, sterilize the whole process to Mm -hmm. where it's just like done like a social event on the calendar or what have Mm -hmm. you.
0: you Yeah. The poor showing for a funeral too. That's something we'll look at in the next Mm -hmm. podcast episode. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for that, I guess. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, anything else to say about this section? No. All right, then let's uh, read our last section for today.
1: And, Martin Cunningham said, we wouldn't have scenes like that when the hearse capsized round Dunphy's and upset the coffin onto the road. That was terrible, Mr. Power Shockface said, and the corpse fell about the road. Terrible. First round Dunphy's, Mr. Dedalus said, nodding. Gordon cup. Praises be to God, Martin Cunningham said piously. Bomb. Upset. A coffin bumped out onto the road. Burst open. Patty Dignam shot out and rolling over stiffened the dust in a brown habit too large for him. Red face. Grey now. Mouth fallen open. Asking what's up now. Quite right to close it. Looks horrid open. Then the insides decompose quickly. Much better to close up all the orifices. Yes, also. With wax. The sphincter loose. Seal up all. Dunphy's, Mr. Power announces the carriage turned right. Dunphy's corner. Morning coaches drawn up, drowning their grief. A pause by the wayside. Tip-top position for a pub. Expect we'll pull up here on the way back to drink his health. Pass round the consolation. Elixir of life. But suppose now it did happen. Would he bleed if a nail say cut him in the knocking about? He would and he wouldn't, I suppose. Depends on where. The circulation stops. Still. Some might ooze out of an artery. It would be better to bury them in red, a dark red. In silence, they drove along Thibbsborough Road. An empty hearse trotted by, coming from the cemetery. Looks relieved.
0: Thank you so much, Dermot. Thoughts.
1: <laughs> Mr. Bloom has a very morbid imagination. Yes. <laughs> Can't yeah. help himself. He he should have been. He should have honestly, like, been a bit younger, gone to America and worked on Looney Tunes cartoons. <laughs>
0: I don't think they had those yet. <laughs> they
1: didn't yet. But the ni- the 1920s rubber hose stuff, he could have mm-hmm. fit in, right? Like if he'd gotten mm-hmm. there early enough, he's, he's probably too old now because by then, that's the 1920s. This is f- my imaginary Mr. Bloom would need to be a bit younger. And then he goes to Hollywood and he works on like Felix the Cat and mm-hmm. all that crazy stuff when mm-hmm. everything's floating around and <laughs> all, everything's going crazy. He'd be brilliant out. Yeah. it. Um, Yeah, so they're talking about this, like, maybe like an urban myth of a coffin tumbling Mm -hmm. onto the, but it might have happened. It's not impossible. Uh, And what would have, what would physically happen to that corpse if you cut it? Would it bleed? Would it not? And I think, like, today they would, they, about funeral processes, they siphon the blood off and they put chemicals in and all that horrible stuff. Mm -hmm. But then they mightn't have. You know more about that. You've looked into this.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of um -hmm. holding back until Mm -hmm. you're done
1: yes but I was your turn you would think possibly they were at this period in Dublin they wouldn't have the money to be like de-bleeding people and putting formaldehyde in them and Mm -hmm. I think they were just okay in the box put a plug in the bum and into the ground you go you know I would imagine it could be wrong um so and uh, then the pub they passed the pub I want to pint mm-hmm. now after reading yep.
0: that. Yeah, I have a a picture of hey. Dunfee's corner from now Google, Doyle's Google Street corner.
1: Google Street View.
0: Yes, yeah i i put out I put a question up on social media asking if anyone had a photograph mm. of it. And I mostly got old ones, but I kind of wanted a, a color one from mm. to give you an idea if you're standing on the street corner, what does it look like. So yeah, yeah, we'll take a picture next time we're in Dublin. Yeah. It.
1: I wish somebody would make like an app where you could walk around Dublin and mm-hmm. the different sites and you could hold yes. your tablet up and you could see all the Ulysses sites and you could lift it down mm-hmm. and up. Oh, that'd be pretty cool.
0: I think there are there are apps that are similar to that because I've seen people bring them in the Sweeney's. Not right. quite as nice as what you described, but yeah. similar idea. Yeah. Um Okay. Shall we shall we dive into it? Hmm. Uh, starting with Dumphy's Corner. It is a pub that still exists, though now it's Doyle's. It was bought from Dunphy by Doyle, and now it's called Doyle's Corner. And I think even in 1904, it was already Doyle's Corner. Okay. But there, you know, like when something is just kind of colloquially known as yeah. something, it takes a while for it to actually change. So it wasn't until the 20s that it was solidly Doyle's Corner. So people nice. would still call it Dunphy's Corner right. clo- uh, locally. Uh, it's at the corner of North Circular Road and Phippsborough Road in Dublin. If you want to drop by, we've we've been in there mm-hmm. with Owen. Mm-hmm. All right, um, gosh, yeah, you he let us in there. Yeah, yeah, it's the last right angle turn before the cemetery, so it's very noticeable. Like Bloom said, it's a good spot because it's a it's a big prominent pub on a corner, and everyone goes there to drink. Mm-hmm. All the hearse drivers go there to drink. Um, I like the idea of drinking to the health of the the guy who's, you know, you Death. left in his grave. <laughs> um and frank mcnally in the irish times wrote that quote the the term rounding dumphy's corner in that era had become a popular dublin euphemism for life's last journey okay so it was kind of oh yeah he's he's rounding dumphy's corner mm. you know I and mean, then you're probably not going to see that guy again right um and they refer to the elixir of life which uh, I think is a reference to the Irish term for whiskey. Whiskey,
1: which, probably, yeah, yeah. Do you know the Irish for whiskey? Ishka uh, Baha, same in Scotch, mm-hmm. Gaelic, yeah. uh, Water of Life. Water Ishka, of Life, is yeah. Water baha, Life. Yeah.
0: So they're drinking to, to death with the elixir of life, mm-hmm. really drinking to life. Um, yeah, and apparently there was an incident there due to that funeral carriage traveling too fast. Mm. Um, I didn't see any references to that happening in real life. I didn't dig through the newspaper archive or anything, but, um, I've read a couple articles about this passage and, and I didn't see reference anywhere that, a carriage really overturned there, but you you could see the possibility, mm-hmm. uh, especially cause it's a right turn corner of just hitting it a little too hard. And yeah, you know, the worst thing possible happens, Patty Dignam is lying in the dust. So, um, yeah. So uh, let's end our episode today with some analysis of correspondences. Do you remember the the technique of Hades? Shares his name with an early 2000s rock band Radiohead. <laughs> yes, no. No, technique of radio. No, incubism. Okay. Incubus. Incubus would have been okay. uh, a contemporary of Radiohead. Okay. Um, so, um, and we talked about early on that incubism can refer to like the demon and incubus that like holds you down and oppresses you while you sleep. But, um, to incube something, um, one commentator wrote means to sort of encase something inside of a cube or a box. Mm -hmm. So the, um, incubing of a corpse, Mm -hmm. uh, in a coffin would be one, the incubing of four men in their little carriage would be another. Mm. Um, but uh this passage shows the problem of disincubing a corpse mm. um so within the confines of the coffin this is a way to kind of obscure the reality of the corpse within yeah because once we start looking at death whether it's you know in terms of a your friend who's now died and who's decaying uh which isn't very pretty or even looking at all the cattle passing thinking they're on their way to the the abattoir right yeah um death can feel quite grim and violent and gruesome um so the in in incubing in within a coffin is a way to obscure that reality from the living because the, the corpse doesn't care yeah um it acts as a, a barrier in that way between the living and the dead mm. um and it it's mainly there, it's one of those things like the funeral ritual itself. It's really for the living mm-hmm. in in many ways it, you know if you are a religious person or a spiritual person you you can see the the you know spiritual aspect of the funeral rite. but if you like Bloom, you are a bit more hyperborean um all these funeral rites that he finds a bit tiresome honestly are they're there for the living they're to comfort his friends, which is why that funeral procession's so important um because it's, it's really done for the living. If you're, honestly, if you're, you know, you're disrespected in death, depending on what you believe, you might not know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, anyway, de- decay um, Is can be unsightly to the living, so the coffin itself is going to hide any undesirable odors or visible signs of decay, uh, which are natural indications of death. Like,
1: mm.
0: you're supposed to decay once you're dead, uh, but it protects the sensibilities of the living from that stuff which might make you think that's going to be me someday um so I don't know much about the embalming techniques used in this day or whether Patty would have been embalmed at all but yeah um nowadays when a corpse is embalmed all your fluids are removed Mm -hmm. so if Patty was you know the average American or I'm guessing Irish person too and uh, 2023 um, they're probably going to be embalmed there's a greater movement against embalming because it's unnecessary in a lot of cases mm-hmm. you don't have to be embalmed when you die um, it's not legally required at least in the US but they remove all of your fluids anything that's going to leak out it's not going to be in there so if uh, you stab Patty Dignam with a nail and he's been embalmed um, no blood will come out because there's no blood left in his body mm. Um, yeah, he's filled, he's filled with, uh, embalming fluid, which is a cocktail of formaldehyde and a bunch of other preservatives. Um, and again, embalming is there to shield the true appearance of the recently deceased. Mm-hmm. It's, to hi- it's to protect us from the image of death. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we want to look on the corpse of our friend, but we don't want to think too much about death. We, he looks like he's sleeping. He looks so peaceful, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Coffins and embalming are, once again, done for the sake of the living, um, and a respectfully incubed corpse, then, distorts the reality of death. Um, violating that sanctity of the incubed corpse results in a grotesque shock horror expo- exposing Dignam's mouth and anus, which he flew out of that coffin hard enough that he was deep pantsed. <sighs> Um. So it's it's pretty common when preparing a corpse that the eyes and mouth are are um closed by hand using like a little tack that goes in. I won't get too much into it because it's icky. But Mm -hmm. um, they're they're you know when they show in the movies where they just roll the the that that's not going to work because as as you you dry out as you Uh you posthumously and the eyes and the mouth will naturally hang open right? because there's there you know your muscles are slack and then yeah you know you kind of dry out so there'll be there are mechanism mechanism makes it sound like a machine there's a little thing you put in there to Mm -hmm. hold that closed because if you see grandma in the coffin looking like it's pretty upsetting. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to. See, yeah, Why is protecting gr- the living.
1: Why is Granny screaming? <laughs> but um,
0: I don't know about the anus, but I, I, I yeah, I would guess any orifices are. are I think held they plug it. Yes. Uh, but to <laughs> <laughs> eject someone from a coffin hard enough that their their butthole is out is really, um, is really something. <sighs> um, but yes, the the unseeable, the forbidden sites are now visible because of the. Uh, um, disrespect for the the incubed form of Patty Dignam. Mm-hmm. So Bloom, who lacks a spiritual worldview, um, sees this defilement of Patty's corpse as a material tragedy, as I think most people would. Of just like, oh, that's that's so disrespectful. It's mm-hmm. horrible to see. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't really feel any kind of religious taboo around that. Um, he focuses on the physicality. Of this macabre scene, patty's mouth agape, his sphincter on display uh his ultimate decomposition um this is not really he doesn't see this as a desecration it's just you know it's not something that will affect patty's everlasting soul in the afterlife because mm-hmm. he's been his body's been disrespected um you know which is going to its grave that is Mar- Martin mooney would tell us is going to face East mm-hmm. for when Patty meets the final resurrection on judgment day
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know which is why traditionally catholics aren't burnt right um they you know there's a, a taboo against cremation, cremation. Yeah. right so bloom the hyperborean ubermensch um it kind of recalls mulligan's retort to stephen uh in telemachus would you like to read that to remind us of it
1: okay. and what is death he asked your mother's are yours or my own. You saw only your mother die. I see them pop off every day on the matter in Richmond and cut up into tripes in the dissecting room. It's a beastly thing and nothing else. It simply doesn't matter. And, of course, Mulligan's remarks are meant to be um,
0: blasphemous as well, mm-hmm. but a cheap blasphemy. Mm. But he's a man of science. He's a medical yeah. student. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? I'm seeing expressions cross your face which yeah, is
1: gross like again ah, okay. great great use of language mm-hmm. you know like yeah. tripe it's like oh it yeah. conjures images
0: yeah, yeah. tripe is something you associate with those cattle on the north circular road yeah, but yeah. we're made of the same stuff Yeah, we're all just big sacks of meat at the mm-hmm. end of the day yeah um, I didn't want to end on it simply doesn't matter I thought that was too grim so I, I remember I, I teased we're going to think about correspondences of the heart yeah so I moved that to the end So we, the last few we've ended on like, just something really either disgusting or.
1: Oh, this actually, I have a flashback to the TV show The Nick, (laughs) Uh uh, the K N I C K, Mm -hmm. Clive Owen as a a medical doctor with a god complex, and it's set in early 1900s New York. Mm -hmm. So it's about this time. And um, without getting too spoilery, let's just say his God complex gets dragged down to earth, but it's got some genuinely horrific medical stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyone with an appetite for medical horror, watch mm-hmm. two seasons of The Nick. I think Steven mm-hmm. Soderbergh directed it. It's and really if, well done.
0: if you're a, you prefer audio, there is a a medical history podcast called Sawbones, mm-hmm. where they just talk about really messed up stuff that people used to do as medical care. Mm-hmm. So not, probably not for people with a a weak stomach.
1: Yeah, you have to have a certain appetite for this.
0: (laughs) If you you like body horror and you'd like to have it described to you um, by two people with West Virginia accents, Mm. I would, I'd say check out Sawbones. (laughs) All right. So speaking of um, innards, let's talk about
1: the hearts. lovely.
0: All right. So... As we read through this dermot, um did you see anything that felt symbolically like circulation or heartbeat or anything like that? We kind of touched on the, the clogged arteries of the yeah. the north side of Dublin.
1: Uh, honestly, no, like apart from the obvious like the um what we already talked about no i've I've missed it, so
0: okay, well, I was just thinking too, if you eat a lot of beef like that does clog your arteries, right uh, does it I, would think, I would think if you you eat, you're eating a lot of hamburgers and stuff. Well, like,
1: hamburgers, but if you eat like boiled beef or like they would have cooked it more simply, then they <gasps> were. The
0: phrase "boiled beef" is disrespectful they, to the cow it came from. They weren't
1: deep frying. <laughs> you at least enjoy steaks. it, like chicken mm-hmm. fried steak or anything like that, in mm-hmm. Dublin mm-hmm. in 1904. Chicken or fried either. steak would be beef. I think like beef. What that's what I mean. mean? Yeah, yeah, pork, yeah, yeah. But like they're not like doing any of the modern <laughs> stuff we do with chemicals. <laughs> and, breaded this and They
0: don't have chicken fried chicken?
1: Grease, ch- fried, deep fried, chicken fried, <laughs> beef steak, chicken. <laughs>
0: chicken fried chicken and fried chicken are not the same oh, thing. I'm hungry now. Mhm. Um, okay. So the main the main um symbolic circulation in this in this whole episode is the the traffic through the streets of Dublin yeah, yeah, because yeah. The, the streets are yeah. Dublin's circulatory system. Mm-hmm. Um, we 've traveled through the the heart of the Hibernian metropolis is uh the, the, the O'Connell street mm-hmm. That's yeah. sort of the aorta um and in their whole um from the largest arteries to the tiniest little capillaries mm-hmm. uh they represent circulation commerce economy, which is the city mm. which is life um, if a heart pumps too vigorously though what happens?
1: Uh, you get a heart attack
0: you get a heart attack right um, boom upset mm. mm-hmm. uh, in the case of Dublin's circulatory system an overturned coffin might result so you know there's a certain rhythm to circulation that yeah. if he goes too fast or too slow it causes mm. you have heart trouble right you have an arrhythmia or something like that. Mm. Um, so though Patty is he looms large in the minds of our little Dublin crew here he's just another common corpuscle. I think that's how you say that. Corpuscle?
1: Corpuscle, I think.
0: Sliding through the aorta of Dublin. Mm -hmm. That's all I got. That's all she wrote. Okay. (laughs) Do you have anything you want to add before we close up shop here?
1: I want to maybe become a vegetarian.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of in Lestragonians. That's kind of... Bloom really thinks a lot more about um the the violence of eating meats and mm. and uh kind of rolls his eyes at the idea of vegetarianism Look, honestly, but you, ultimately chooses a vegetarian lunch after all this he yeah. has a cheese sandwich yeah he does actually yeah.
1: mm-hmm. and if we, i think if we were in dublin right now i think be uh Guinness at Sweeney's, but I think we'd also like to hit up the Kari Krishna Restaurant in Abbey Street, the one. <laughs> yeah.
0: Another in, another in plug for Govindas. Govindas are great. do not. Yeah.
1: They won't they, turn yeah, you into they, Krishnas. Um, you know. do
0: not sponsor this podcast. But if they, they but want to, but if they to, want to, we, we happily, take the sponsorship. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's uh, Kennedy's across from Sweeney's. It was called Conway's Corner. I, in this, I asked so.
1: Plumtree's pot of meat if they wanted to sponsor but us. But it they turns they, out they don't exist. They're all dead. Yeah, so they said so. no
0: yeah it, they would have been good sponsors God, for the episode they would about would taken death. them too yeah. yeah that would be thematically appropriate this episode appropriate. of Blooms
1: and Barnacles is brought, brought you to you by, by death <laughs> <laughs> your house will be in a boat of bliss mm-hmm. yeah. well yeah.
0: Patty is in his is on his way to his eternal boat a boat of bliss in the next episode we actually reach the gates of Class of so
1: taking our sweet time. it
0: does doesn't it yeah <laughs> when you, you comb over every little inch of the city it takes a while to get where you're going so mm, yeah
1: um, yeah
0: but uh, this is one of the, the longest routes traveled in the city. This and the Viceregal Cavalcade, which won't be until episode 10, mm-hmm. which is the Wandering Rocks. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, we should walk it someday. Yeah. When it's not January.
1: Yeah, that's why we're all wrapped up in here. It's <laughs> getting dark now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's when the wolves come.
1: Oh, should <laughs> shake the microphone.
0: All right, is that where we're going to end? That's when the wolves come? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Great talking to you guys. And we'll see you in two weeks. All right. See you then. Bye. Bye.